Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 62, Unchained. How's it look? Here it comes. Get ready. Come on. Okay, you're clear. Which way? Which way? Which way? Oh, Which way, You can't hear them? They're getting closer. Maybe we should just get ourselves up. Say what? The only way we going back to that camp now is in a pine box. Gee, Sam, it uh, kind of looks like you're dressed up for hard times. <laughs> This is the latest thing in prison escapes. Yeah, uh, well, it's more like a chain gang. You're in 1956, November 2nd. Your name is Chance Terrence Cole, and you're a local small-time pet. Petty. Oh, petty thief. You're a local petty thief. And you pass some bad checks. You're doing nine months in... Tawawawa. Tawawawa. What? Tawawawa. Talawawa County Prison Road Gang, whatever it is. And I'm really innocent, right? And I'm here to prove that this guy is not guilty, right? Well, no, not exactly. Ziggy oh. Ren, no, he checked the police files and you've got a rap sheet. What about him? Uh, Jasper Boone is his name. He's doing uh, 15 big ones for armed robbery and attempted murder in a town called Langston. And he hit a jewelry store not long ago. I walk into the store. It has some pretty jewelry, so I just look. Then I hear yelling, and I hear a gunshot. Suddenly I'm pushed to the ground, and somebody accused me of shooting and robbing the man that owned the store. I ain't never robbed nobody in my life, Cole. And nobody believed me. Nobody listened. See, Ziggy says there's a 98.6% chance that he's innocent. Even while Boone's been in prison, there's been some guy robbing jewelry stores using the same M.O., exactly the same one every time, and there's been five robberies. You and Boone made me look bad today, boy. Please don't do it again or I'll kill you. We've got to concentrate on getting you out of here. Now, Ziggy has one idea. It's a pretty good idea. What it is, you have to predict Jake's next robbery. 
And that way, everything you say will have more credibility and, and maybe this warden Elias will believe you. Okay, when, when's it gonna happen? Eight months. Oh. We're gonna have to escape. So that was an, like, I don't know if I've ever experienced, I had a yawn and I was trying to suppress it for the room tone and it came up like a weird hiccup that went right through my nose. What the fuck is that? You're getting old, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the intro. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm old Christopher DeFilippis. (laughs) I'm young Alison Pregler. And I'm somewhere in the middle, Matt Dale. And um, I guess this is as good a way to start the show as any because we are talking about... I don't even know where to go from here, guys. Hey, how do I do this smoothly? You were trying to segue into this by saying, speaking of old. (laughs) (laughs) Good start, Chris. This show is 30 years old. We're talking about Quantum Leap today. (laughs) Dot that, Alison. Some of us were alive when this was on. (laughs) (laughs) I think the majority of us were, Alison. Yeah, two-thirds. On this call, anyway. (laughs) I was alive when this was on, but the thing is, it started before I was born. Do you mean the show... This episode or the series? So, like, you were born during this episode? This podcast started before I was born. (laughs) No, I mean the episode Unchained. I think I was born when Catch a Falling Star aired. I think I looked that up once. Oh, Allison, stop this. (laughs) But in the middle of the episode, like, your mom was, she was pushing, and she was watching Quantum Leap at the same time. Yeah, she was like, oh, man, I gotta catch Quantum Leap. Quickly, hurry up and get out, get out. It's like you came out and Quantum Leap was on the TV in the delivery room. <laughs> it might have been I turned one when that aired. I want to say that aired on my birthday. Oh, really? But yeah. Oh, that's cool. I thought that it would be like Catch a Falling Baby because everybody was too busy looking at the TV and you were sliding right off the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how I turned out how I am. <laughs> wow, this is a great way to begin Unchained, huh? Well, there had to be some laughs. That's it now. I think this conversation is unchained, huh? Huh? See what I did there? Anyway. (laughs) You know, I I watched this a couple nights ago because, like, I've been so, like, busy in my mind. Thank you, Kat, for jingling. I've been so busy in my mind just everywhere that, like, I thought we were recording yesterday's. And then, like, I forgot the day before when I was going to take notes. And I was like, oh, no, I got to record tomorrow. So I'm up, like, super late taking notes. Like, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to half-ass this. <laughs> <laughs> like you're cramming for an exam. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then I get up and I'm like, it's not even the right day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, at least I'm prepared. Yeah. You didn't half-ass it. You, you whole-assed it. You double-assed it. Yeah. So... <laughs> So you're more prepared than either of us, I'm sure. Well, I mean, there's been a day between, so maybe maybe you guys have it fresher on your mind. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, since you have, I, I think, probably the most copious notes because you were studying as if, you know, your life depended on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At like five in the morning, like, must take notes. <laughs> so can you give us your panicky first impressions of Unchained? <laughs> uh yeah, it's a solid episode. I like this one. It's it's not one that I um I think about that much, but I do really like it. I think it's got like a really good atmosphere. I think it looks really great. I like the cinematography on it a lot. All right, and how about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, um, 
I, I'm really undecided about this episode and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about it because I, I know you'll help guide me towards a decision one way or the other. Like Alison, I don't really think about this very much. When I watch it, I enjoy it, but it's never a go-to episode. It, it's never one that I think, you know, I fancy an hour of good quantum leap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on Unchained. Um, but it, it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's good. Oh my god, I can die happy now. I've never in my life thought I'd hear a sentence saying, I fancy a good hour of Quantum Leap, I'm gonna jump on Unchained. That is, that is so what? quintessentially British. <laughs> pip, pip, cheerio. Spot of Unchained, what? I'm sorry, I just found that delightfully amusing. <laughs> Glad I could be of service, Christopher. <laughs> Hey, Chris, quit being a Wally. <laughs> Tell us what you think about Unchained. Uh, do you guys recall when I said that uh, the episode Dreams marked where Quantum Leap started aping movies? And Dreams I used, um, mm -hmm. Silence of the Lambs. Unchained will always stand out to me as the Defiant Ones meets Quantum Leap with uh, I Was a Fugitive from a Chain Gang and a little bit of Cool Hand Luke thrown in. It's 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 sort of a mishmash of that genre yeah. of film. Yeah, but that's not that different from Quantum Leap before that. They often did mishmash mm -hmm. things. I don't think this was a specific movie, was it? But I yeah, well this one I, I always thought of the Defiant Ones, the classic movie with Sidney Portier and Tony Curtis chained together um, ah, and running mm, from yeah. yeah. Okay. And it's it's one that I saw years ago and then when I saw this Quantum Leap episode, I said, Wow, this is this is they're doing the Defiant Ones. And since then mm. my I guess my knowledge of that genre of film has grown because I watch a lot of Turner Classic movies. And um, like I said, Fugitive from a Chain Gang, there are some echoes of the themes that were in that movie or in this movie. Uh, little specific ones. And then, of course, I mean, Cool Hand Luke with Boss and all that stuff. So, But for all that, I mean, it was evocative of that genre, and I think it did it really well. I don't know that it's like a theme-heavy episode or a message-heavy episode, but I think it was a good episode. And... Like you guys, I don't know if I think about it a lot or if I had a go-to, this maybe wouldn't be it, but for sure I think it's worth watching, so. Hmm. It has a really good tone. Like, um, you know, it's never the first one I think of when I think of Quantum Leap, but when I'm, it's like in the rotation and it comes up, I'm like, oh yeah, all right, Unchained. Like, I could watch that. Like, it kind of ah. puts you into that feel of where Sam is, the, the time and place. And then you realise you fancy a bit of Unchained. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could go for some Unchained. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's very telling, though, Matt, that you say that because it seems to me like in this age of streaming, I know I think I've, I've discussed this before, maybe on this podcast, maybe on another podcast, but um, when you sit down to watch something that's airing on TV... It'll just come up in the rotation and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch this because this is the one that's on. Yet if you were scrolling through the season list of Quantum Leap, you probably would go past Unchained. Not because it's bad, but, you know, yeah. there's a Leap Felisa waiting in the wings or, you know, or Killing Time or whatever. It's just like you, you tend to go to the ones that you really love and maybe you'd give short shrift to sort of the stuff that was the stock and trade of the show for most of its runtime. And I think it's yeah. great that we go through every episode and get to relive them because I think otherwise, I don't know that I ever would have seen Unchained again. It just was. I sort of thought about it a little bit. I said, okay, it 
kind of it, it evokes this, it evokes that, and now I'm done. We can move on. But I was really happy to be watching it again. So yeah, you know, there's um there's a lot of great things about this episode. There's some episodes it's like I don't think about because it's kind of filler. Or it's not really that memorable. Um, I I still think there's great stuff about this. Um, I really like the acting in it. I think all of the guest stars were like really just top notch in this one. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought there was a lot of really great character stuff in this. This was actually I found a a really great episode about Al. I I don't really <laughs> like when I think <laughs> about like Al and Sam character episodes. Again, this is not one that comes up immediately. Um, but watching it, there's so much really great stuff. I love that. Um, when Sam is talking to Al, Boone notices this, and Boone does not find this crazy. Well, unless we sprout wings, we're going to die here now. There's always a way. Just need a little help, that's all. You talking about Al? I heard you talking to him last night. Just talking to myself. Uh-uh. Folks talk different when they're talking to themselves. You was talking to somebody, except they weren't there. Al's kind of a friend of mine. He's the one who told you about Jake. Yep. Matter of fact, he did. And only you can see him. Me and sometimes little kids and animals, too. You think I like snow? I don't remember. I don't think I ever asked him. Yeah, of course. You're talking to, like, uh, someone from the future who's giving you all these tips. That's fine. Say hi to Al for me. And so he has all these moments where he just he just accepts that he has this friend from the future and he treats Al like a person. And like, you know, you just be like, hey, ask Al if he'll come visit when, when I'm in the mountains. Hey, does Al like snow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when I love that moment. Like, Sam's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever asked him if he likes snow. And just lots of really ga- great bits in that ending when he, he says, hey, thanks, Al. How nice? How nice is that? That's an interesting take because I I always think of this as being it's it's quite an Al light episode. He doesn't do that much compared to some other episodes this season where he's a lot more he's a lot more in focus. And in this episode, it's just a lot of quick run over here, run over there. No, not over there, over here. That's that's pretty much <laughs> Al for this week. But oh you're, man, but there, you're right. Uh, you're you're absolutely right though. Well, I have like some Al uh, subtext here that I think is really Ooh. interesting. Can I first disagree with Matt though? I'll go for it. Go. This wasn't really very Al light at all because if you think about it, the only reason that Sam was able to complete this leap was because animals could see Al. Otherwise, the dogs would have gotten them. Um, otherwise, uh, Cooley would have shot them. It was everything that Al did, and he's the one who who got them out of danger every time. So I don't know that you could call this an Al light episode or that he's not doing a lot. And this to me, he's doing more than he's ever done. Okay, maybe, but in in that sense, the examples you're talking about, he's being used as a MacGuffin. His actual character isn't that important. You know, you mentioned Leap for Lisa earlier on. That's that's a big one for him this season. There's other episodes this season, Play Ball, where you know they really delve into his character and his history with Sam. That and that's what I mean. I th- I think this is mm-hmm. yes, they use the fact that animals can see him, but that could be Al. That could be. Gushy stepping in for Al, whatever. It, it doesn't matter the fact that it's Al. That it, that's just the the technical hologram stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but it does mean that um, it's the most. I can't say physically, but the most he's been involved with a leap directly, rather than telling Sam what to do because mm. he's directing the dogs yeah. around. And uh, Chris is right; like he did 
help him in the end uh, to kill Cooley mm-hmm. to get them out of that situation. Because if he hadn't done that, like, he had the gun pointed at him, but he distracted him with the dog. Yeah, very true. Hey! Hey, you stupid muck! Sammy smashed his head down there. But, I mean, as far as character stuff, you're right. I mean, it's not as involved, but I think there's a lot of really good stuff about Al here. And I think, like, the fact that a lot of it, it's not a big dramatic character moment. It's just, it's it's just nice moments and, like, acknowledging Al is there as, as part of things rather than just having it be, have to be always, like, a, a really big moment. Hmm. I do have some Al subtext here, though, uh, that I kind of noticed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, They have the part of the episode where Sam gets thrown into the pit. Yes. And we never see Sam in the pit. They never film anything in the pit. It's just all, you have to imagine how awful it is, him just being in that pit all night Hmm. uh, with Boone. And they fade out to the morning. And interestingly, Al has waited for him. He didn't leave the imaging chamber. That's got to be costing them a ton of money. <laughs> but he doesn't go in there with him. He's sitting cross-legged. They have this effect where he's like floating in the air above the pit, mm-hmm. which is kind of a neat effect. You don't see Al doing that very much. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering, like, I was like, why Why is Al waiting outside of there? Like, what is stopping him from going in and seeing Sam? And... I think, like, if you think about it a little deeper than perhaps they were thinking, I think Al is a bit claustrophobic. Mm. I think, like, this brings back bad memories for him, and it's yes. something that, that scares him. Because they, they um, I mean, they say in an episode later, I think in season five, that he is claustrophobic. And I think that stems from the fact he was in a tiger cage for so long in, in Vietnam. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I had thought about. You know, I um, in preparation for this, I was I was having a look at what I wrote a couple of years back about this episode, and I noted that sequence, and I said, "What is he doing at the start of the third act? The only times he voluntarily hangs around in the imaging chamber without Sam is because he's exploring or feeling nostalgic." Mm-hmm. I'm like, I I don't get that. Why? Why? What is he feeling nostalgic about? And yeah, you've got it. It's not that he's feeling nostalgic, but it is absolutely linked to his history. It's not a positive nostalgia, but it's yeah. Yeah, I think he just doesn't want to leave Sam behind, but he's too scared to go in there. And it was his way to be there for Sam when he came out of the pit and um, lending what support he could. But I think you're both right on with that because I was thinking about him talking about being in a cage that was too small for him to sit down, but too small for him to stand up. So it was just like that that torture and that POW experience was obviously the first thing on his mind and then having to see Sam go through something that was probably very similar. I mean, think of the jungle setting that they're in, even though they're in where Alabama or Georgia or something. It's it's very reminiscent of the setting that Al probably would have been in. Actually that we saw. Yeah. Yeah, we saw him chained up and and being taken along. Right, in the black pajamas and, and no shoes. I mean, very similar stuff. There's a lot of uh, yeah. subtext that you can mine from this. Yeah, for sure. And it was one of the things that um, was a great strength of the episode because they never did mention it. But if you're a fan of the show and you know Al's history, you know exactly what's going on when he's sitting there and why he didn't leave. And it was sort of a nice nod that they didn't have to get into it was even better. 
because for casual viewers, it's just like, well, he's just waiting for Sam. But for fans, yeah, you know, it, it speaks volumes. I'm I'm really surprised I didn't get that. And I said that's why I said at the top of this show I was looking forward to talking to you guys about this because I knew you'd help me uh, help me along a little bit. And that's yeah, a conundrum I've been sat with for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's his history. And it also is a great way to, I guess, highlight one of the few themes in this episode, which was just the the rampant abuse of power mm-hmm. and and the conditions that uh, these prisoners were put through. Um, these are some of the things that, again, evoke the memories of those chain gang movies that I had seen. But especially the one I was a fugitive from a chain gang was based on a book of an escaped chain gang uh, guy. Uh, he was a prisoner on a chain gang. He got away and he he um, wrote a book and he became very famous like for, you know, like he, a lot of notoriety because the book became a bestseller. And as um, he explained in the book they would just arbitrarily add on to your sentence because Mm -hmm. of whatever violation they could make up and that's why in the beginning they said that uh sam's character's leap b was supposed to be in for nine months but he was in for two years yeah 20 years a long time in prison especially this year one his sentence is only for 15 years his sentence was 15 years boy just like yours was nine months Bastard. I hear a discouraging word. Maybe another year and he'll help teach you some better manners. How long do you think you can get away with this? You know, I had you figured for a much smarter man than this, Cole. See this here prison road farm. It's a long way from court. About as far away from a court as you ever gonna get, boy. Out here, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody cares. And again, it's not something that they ever really explicitly said, oh, they've been adding on and adding on to the sentence, but it is something that happened regularly. And the kicker when they made the movie of that is that the guy who wrote the book, because he was still a fugitive, he he had to complete his sentence. He went back, they said that he would serve one day or whatever because of all the notoriety and everything surrounding it. He went back, they put him back in chains, and they kept him in the chain gang until he had to escape again. <laughs> so, yeah, but wow. I mean, that was how bad it was. What what uh, what year was this or what decade? Uh, I, I gotta say it was in the forties, maybe the early fifties. I can Google it quick for you, but it was, the movie stood out for me for just the rampant injustice. And I had no idea that, you know, they could just basically be judge and jury and just autonomously add on to somebody's case. They're they're just policing themselves. There's no one to hold them to account for it. Yeah. I, I had no idea how close to reality this was yeah i was a fugitive from a chain gang 1932 wow i was uh way way off so yeah it was 32 it starred paul muni whoever the hell that is not a young dean stockwell in the credits anywhere sorry guys (laughs) here he is the man who preferred death to the tortures of the chain gang his was the most sensational escape in chain gang history Crawling through the thick brush, bloodhounds at his heels, hiding in swamps, he outwitted his pursuers at every turn. This man has lived a thousand lives in one. A hunted thing on earth. 
Yeah, I just remember it being a good film because I always liked the Defiant ones. So when I saw that this was going to be on Turner, I said, oh, let me watch that too. And it was even better because the Defiant ones was just sort of like an action movie with some social commentary. And you have like Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. I mean, they're really great. And mm-hmm. They had like sort of the, the racial dynamic that's going on there, which they mirrored in this one, although they didn't play that up. I find I, I found it very interesting that Boone was half black, half Native American. Hmm. They go into his uh, his biracial heritage. I guess this would be the second time uh, they go into a story that involves Native Americans, mm-hmm. uh, even though I, I don't believe the actor actually is. But uh, I thought that was kind of uh, interesting. And, and he was um, the actor who plays him. I suppose I should have my IMDb open. <laughs> oh, I have it here. Jasper Boone is Basil Wallace. Basil Wallace. I thought he was really great. Um, and his character was kind of crazy, mm. <laughs> kind of a crazy person. A little bit. Um, they have the part where he like catches a catfish by hand and then kisses it and lets it go. Like, I'm not really hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could, you could totally feel his desperation yeah. in these moments. Yeah, he was great. And I think that maybe they threw the Native American thing in there to admittedly, ham-fistedly, like connect him to the land and why he wanted to be outside all the time. And, you know, it was almost like what they did in Freedom. Mm. I was born outside. I'm going to die outside. And it seems to be, I guess, whenever they want to establish a connection with the land, they just say, say he's Native American. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? And it's just it's just shorthand for, you know, I can track and hunt and fish and, uh, you know, yeah. I'm one with nature. Well, I think it also, it touched upon very lightly uh, something that isn't talked about a lot in TV, which is um, the sense of belonging when someone is biracial. It was hard on a reservation, being a Sonko, half-breed. How he didn't belong there, and he doesn't feel like he belongs in society. So it's sort of this like in-between where he doesn't really belong with, with either race or either people. Well, hmm... Let me ask, do you think that this was handled, I think it was handled well for the time. I think it's a bit heavy handed now and a little bit condescending. That's the only thing that really turned me off on the episode is some of Boone's characterization in this was just, it was just a little too, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I I, I don't know. It, it, It just struck me as what you would expect from a character of color um the mannerisms the the exaggerated actions the it, it just it was evocative of when black actors had to be over the top in order to be quote entertaining on screen because it was the only kind of role that they had and i i felt that this this sort of brushed up against that a little bit yeah i i i love the performance and i love the character but I absolutely agree with you. There's there's elements of that that um, it it sort of reminded me of um, in the episode Justice, uh, where there's that the confrontation outside the courthouse where Sam's shown this guy that wants to register to vote and he can't, and then he does that that big act going down the steps to the to the car, and it's again all this exaggerated mannerisms, which is yeah, there is definitely an element of that. Um, but you know what? For me, I forget about that quite quickly because he is—he's he, a very sympathetic character, and um, as soon as you start seeing the way that Boss treats him, um, 
yeah, I, I think it's hard to be, for me, certainly it's hard to be critical of him. I don't know that it'd be critical. I think he sold it. I, I think he, he did it well. I just think that maybe it was the material. Maybe it was, I don't know what it was. It was just evocative of something that I think is a relic that's best forgotten in in cinema and in uh, American mm-hmm. entertainment specifically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, um, I mean, I, we do try to talk about, you know, things with a little bit more substance. So I don't know what, what, what listeners might, might think of that. Am I off base? I, I really don't know. I just, I, I'm only calling it like I saw it. And to me, it doesn't detract in the episode in any way, you know? Yeah, I'd like to hear from people about that one. I never thought about it, but I can see what you're saying. So I do wonder how this came up, especially for people of color like it's hard for me to judge uh as a, as a white person how this would come off to someone but yeah 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 and i always wonder am i being like overly sensitive when i see portrayals like this am i just am i am i reading too much into it um because i have a knee-jerk reaction to to not want to see that i i don't know and i guess you can say that about anything that you find um troubling um you're going to once you see something on screen that reminds you of something that troubles you it's going to magnify to you and it, it it's just me maybe i don't know it could just be me i think in in general quantum leap tried to be cognizant of stuff like that uh because uh deborah pratt was involved and so they had like people of color involved in the creative process, or a person of color at least. So I think they were a little more careful, but that doesn't uh, it it doesn't protect them from certain stereotypes or portrayals. So that doesn't necessarily mean it didn't happen either. I think like they were just more cautious than some other shows might be. And it's funny that we're having this conversation because the other thing that struck me as we were watching this is this is the second week in a row on a major network television show in the 90s where you had front and center a character of color as like the second lead. And I don't know where else, you know, outside of Quantum Leap, you had sort of that diversity. And again, maybe I'm not thinking too much of other shows from the 90s because I was in college. I wasn't watching a lot of TV at the time. But tell me, guys, was that progressive for the time? Having a guest star of color be like the second lead? Yeah. Mm. No, I'm... If if it was a main character, maybe. But uh, just having as a guest star, I don't know if we could credit them for that. But... I do think that they did have a lot of guest stars that were people of color that were written really well. And um, there were quite a few that the episode wasn't about race specifically, which was nice because a lot of shows will have like so-and-so meets a under uh, a, a, like an underprivileged black person who needs a basketball scholarship and then they <laughs> learn to be friends, you know, something like that where it's like a uh, token episode. Um, but this show obviously wasn't about that. And, you know, they also have um, Dr. Beeks, who was a woman of color mm-hmm. as a character, which it's unfortunate that they cut all of her lines because that <laughs> undercuts a bit of that. But uh, the best context I think I can put this into, mm-hmm. uh, for myself at least, is this was about a year before Avery Brooks got cast as the lead in Star Trek. And that was, at the time, I think, considered quite a big thing. I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there was a, a big deal being made out of it, um, which. Yes, it's good that they went there. Would it be such a big deal today? I I would certainly hope not. So I I think early 90s was maybe a bit of a turning point for that sort of thing. But that's 
that's me talking about the lead in a science fiction series versus um, a, a main guest star in one episode. Um, well, science fiction especially, um, it's taken them a long time to have leads of color. Yeah. And you're right, it was controversial when that happened. And I think, like, if Quantum Leap had had, like, a main character who was a person of color, there would also be... Uh, controversy there and even when you're looking at in star trek discovery when they said that the lead was michael burnham who is a black woman people were like oh this is just pandering yeah. you know so there's still people who who think that way unfortunately and i always wondered at the time was it really a big deal that sam leapt into a black man was it really a big deal that avery brooks was cast mm. as the captain on a star trek show and it was a big deal though it, i i understand that it was because it was the first time you saw that kind of representation in certain areas but in my mind it was just like why is everybody getting so worked up sam is actually He's he's obviously going to leap into a black person at some point. So I, was a lot of this also just, you know, hearing all of the negative voices and giving them the spotlight, kind of like you hear people now, like you pointed out, Allison, where, you know, the, the dude bros lose their shit when they hear that there's a black woman leading a Star Trek show <laughs> because social justice warriors are out to ruin the world. And it's just like, that's just nonsense, fringe assholes. Was it the same back then? But it's not just about, um, I mean, it's it's not just about it shouldn't be a big deal, though it shouldn't be. But it but it is a big deal for people that this matters to with representation. Yeah. Uh, the fact that uh, Deep Space Nine was, uh, it had a family that, uh, a, a positive mm -hmm. black male father figure on a show that was a lead and it was it wasn't a token character he was a he was in a position of power that was a very big deal and i know it was a big deal to avery brooks as well he took it as a he had a responsibility doing this role and i mean if we can roll it back to quantum leap um when yeah. they do episodes <laughs> where sam is leaping into a person of color the reason that it's important is that walking in another person's shoes, that other perspective, it's its very, for instance, when you look at the episode Black on White on Fire, where he leaps into a black man who's in a relationship with a white woman, and everyone is so angry at them uh, for being together, like whether they think like, you know, black people should only date black people and white people should only date white people, or their kids won't fit in because they'll, they'll be two races, but not belonging with either, um, all of this stuff. And this even goes... Behind the scenes, uh, there were people, I don't remember if this was the network or producers, someone had a problem with the fact that Sam was in a relationship with a white woman because it was, <laughs> because it was a, a, a biracial couple, even though he is played by a white man. Yeah. And that's yeah. the whole point. It's yes. like, he is a white man. But they perceive him as black. And so they think that this shouldn't be. It, it points out the absurdity yes. of racism. It does, and that was one of the neatest tricks that Quantum Leap ever played, in my opinion, is the fact that they, quote, portrayed a biracial relationship on screen with two pretty white people. Mm. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, and it was, it was a way that they could um, sort of bring up the topic, but still keep it safe 
for bigots in advertising. And it, every time I think about that, I have mixed feelings about that episode because I think that's an amazing episode. But I also think that it's just like, wow, you know, it's they sure went about it in the safest way possible. You know, why not? Why not have him be a white man and her a black woman? That wouldn't have flown. But then it, he would be leaping into a white man in the scenario you're talking about. That's what I'm saying. If it but was a biracial wouldn't, couple, they wouldn't. Well, I guess if he went to Watts, I don't know. But it, I, you know, but, but what I'm saying is just to prove the point. I don't think we ever saw it on the other foot where he was. He was a white dude dating a, a black woman. I don't think he ever had a, a love interest that was a black woman either on the show. I don't think so either. Mm. Yeah, I think the only time I remember there were like friends, there were relatives, but it was never in a romantic sense. And I know they had to walk a line and they were able to, in a brilliant way, really bring up topics like this in a way that was palatable for mainstream America at the time. It just – what irks me and I, I – let me backpedal from what I said, not not to negate what I said, but just to put it in better context. I think it's a huge deal that Avery Brooks was cast as Captain Sisko on Star Trek. I think it was past time. I think it was absolutely necessary. I think it is a huge deal that they were bold enough to have Sam leap into a black person. To me, though, it wasn't a big deal. It's like, why would you get upset over something like this? And I always think of, did they maybe play off like the, quote, controversy of these things for publicity? And are we seeing it now with that context when it really wasn't all that controversial to begin with in the time, in the day? So that's all. I, 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 I'm trying to figure out like where we really were, our headspace was then, as opposed to how we perceive where we were now. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So. Um, wow, this got really deep um, really <laughs> well, quickly. Okay, I know, uh, I know how to uh, steer this back to uh, to Unchained, since we are we are talking about race a lot, um, and race is a big factor in this episode uh, because uh, Jake, uh, this character who works for Boss Cooley, he um, is dressing up in blackface. Yes. Uh, to mm. commit these robberies, which is why Boone ends up in the chain game to begin with, because they think that he is the one that is uh, that is robbing places because he is uh, presenting as a black man. Yeah. So this is this is the part that just I, in such a serious episode, this is the part that I always laugh at, because as soon as they bring out this story of this white guy blacking up to go and commit crimes, I have this unintentionally hilarious visual in my head of the guys from the black and white minstrel show going and holding up a bank. And it, it, this is not a comedy episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the black and white minstrel show! my god i had never heard of the black and white minstrel show until you brought this up you were like hey is this something that was just like you, that you'd ever heard of do you have anything similar in the u.s what in the hell was happening in in the uk for from the 50s to the 70s 20 years yeah 1978 the black and white minstrel show ended people were wearing blackface into 1978 what was happening it, it was running on stage into the 80s this, this was i i what the I, hell 
I apologise on behalf of the UK. I, I don't know. We've always had an interesting relationship with taste and racist comedy, particularly in the 70s. There was a lot of shows that went well past what what they should have done. They're, people were getting away with a lot in the name of comedy. And um yeah, it's it's a it's a decade or so of of comedy history that is sometimes better better left forgotten. But I, I really thought the black and white minstrel show had made it to the States, but you guys obviously are a touch more sensitive. And I, I mean oh, that in a positive oh, way. <laughs> everyone but Ted Danson, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay, or Justin Trudeau, if you want to go all North American. <laughs> so. I, I, I have to... I looked at the Wikipedia page for the Black and White Minstrel Show to find out what this is. This was a, a stage show that had uh, people in blackface. Um, here's my favorite line from the Wikipedia page. The show was accused of racism and ethnic stereotyping by black anti-racist groups in the UK. Yeah, by, by anyone with eyes, really. Due to its use of blackface. Was it accused of racism? Do you think this might have been part of it? <laughs> Perhaps there were some <laughs> insensitive racial, racial portrayals in that show. We can't be sure. I, I, Alison, I'm sorry for opening your eyes to this, but you've seen the Wikipedia page, you've seen what those guys look like, and yeah, this is it, it, that. that's how I envisage Wiles committing these robberies. I mean, there's been blackface portrayals in stuff up until the 80s and 90s, sporadically. Like, there, there's, it was frowned upon into the 70s by that point. So, like, I think, like, having a show that was specifically about that is what is crazy to me. It goes into, like, um, wasn't there some Gene Wilder movie in the 80s uh, with Richard Pryor where he, like, puts shoe polish on his face? They have, like, a, a blackface joke in that. The Silver Streak. Yeah, Silver Silver Streak. streak. So. There was also a movie in the 80s called Soul Man with C. Thomas oh Howell, and he takes some pills and turns black. So. Soul Man! <laughs> I only recently heard of that. I was like, what? The, so the United States is not really, you know, on any better footing than the UK when it comes to that kind of portrayal in the media of, of blackface. It's just maybe they did it a little less obviously. I mean, Gene Wilder was doing it to get out of prison, like to, to escape the authorities. Uh, with Richard Pryor standing next to him. So uh, I don't know that it was right, but it was funny in the moment. And in the context of the movie, there was a reason for it. There was a reason for it in Soul Man, too, even though it was a bullshit <laughs> oh, reason. So it's not racist, then. Yeah. And no, it's hugely <laughs> racist. Hugely racist. But it's not on the equivalent of, say, like a minstrel show, which is just made to be racist. Yes, sure. So... Well, Alison, I, I have never actually seen an episode of this, so if you want to get together, watch a couple of episodes, do a podcast <laughs> about it for, for Patreon, oh, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, the Black and White Minstrel Show podcast will do every episode. I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, <laughs> like, you guys are on your own. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds awful. But, you know, the, okay, so they have that the in Unchained. There's um Jake dressing up in blackface, and that's the catalyst for events, but... I don't know how much racism plays into the episode beyond that. I think it played into it very little because no one was ever singled out for their race. They were all treated like crap yeah. and all abused equally. And I think that had Boone been white, 
it would have been sort of the same dynamic of just this rampant abuse of power and them being put at each other's throats just for the amusements of the bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was, again, it was an interesting dynamic to have Sam and Boone chained together as a black man and a white man, but only because it's, it's sort of a, again, a nod to the defiant ones. And I think that the boomers watching had sort of a shorthand and a nostalgia that they could hearken back to while they were watching this episode. And I think that's the only reason that they did it that way. What did you guys think of J.C. Quinn, who played Boss Cooley? Oh, fantastically evil. I I think I said back when we were uh, watching Shock Theatre that the the nurse in that, and I I forget his name, but that he was one of my favourite evil characters in Quantum Leap just because he he takes someone's weakness um, in in Tibby and really uses it against him and and really mentally tortures him. And I, I love slash hate that kind of thing. And this is the the main other example of a character in the series that does that. He he's just he discovers um, the claustrophobia and uses it against him. And yeah, I I love the character. I love the performance. Um, yeah, top one of the top five villains in Quantum Leap ever. I think that if you wanted to, you could have J.C. Quinn and Clauderall Jones, who also played uh, one of the bosses. His name was Captain Ellis. Mm-hmm. I guess that was Boss Cooley's boss. Yep. Both of them are straight out of central casting. Like, get me a racist Southern guy <laughs> that runs a chain gang. Oh, somebody called J.C. It's, it's, you're up again this week, J.C. Because he is the archetype. Does he do a lot of that? He looks familiar, but I, I'm going to have to IMDb him because... Let's put it this way. He he does it perfectly. I bet he played racist sheriffs a lot. That's that's my guess. Okay, I, I can imagine that. He looks like <laughs> he probably did. He, oh man, he was so good. He, he, just, he just fit into this role so well. And I agree with you, Matt, that he's a character that he takes people's weaknesses and exploits them. He turns people against each other. And he just does it because he enjoys misery. Um, he, there's the part where, um, they're deciding if Boone's going to be in a, in a fight or if he's going to be in the pit and he makes Sam make the call on the the coin. And even though Sam chooses the opposite side, he just tells him that it's a side that goes in the pit because he knows it's going to turn Boone against Sam. Yeah. Yeah, and that was another way that they used to not only um, sort of pit them against each other, but also dehumanize them in the sense that it's just like Sam and Boone have a relationship, but he manipulates it to where they can only see each other as enemies and an obstacle to get away from the pain, to get away from the, the, the torture, basically. And I think that he specifically did that just so that he could prime them to have the fight. What did they call the fight? The the fight to the death, the knife fight? Uh, the cock fight. Oh, the cock fight was great. I did some Googling. I couldn't find any examples that that was actually prison slang, uh, Southern or otherwise. Mm. So if, if anyone knows that I'm wrong, please contact the show because I'm intrigued by this if, if cock fighting is an actual name for this. Obviously, I know what it relates to. I know what it's what it's um, alluding to, but not not something that I've discovered on my research. I like this kind of uh, down and dirty fight that they had uh, with the chains uh, in the water, and yeah. then Sam's got to like throw the snake at the at every everyone takes it. What if they hadn't ran away? Marcus! <laughs> 
What if they just sort of parted and he's like, oh, this plan didn't really work that well. <laughs> well, I mean, the snake to me is one of the wonkier parts of the episode, <laughs> along with the other convenient magical animal that just shows up, the skunk. Oh, man, the skunk. <laughs> what? No. Mr. Doll can't smell us now. Major sure did come to their aid in this one. I mean, at first they turned on away. Oh, there's a convenient skunk. <laughs> so some top tier stink face acting from Scott Bakula when he's running past the skunk and then the close up of the skunk ass. Oh, so good. <laughs> convenient skunk, doubly convenient water moccasin. What are the odds? I think we should start a rock band called Convenient Skunk. Convenient Skunk. <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, yeah, um, I, you know the part of this the uh, episode where they're on the run and they're uh, they're out in nature and then they're hanging out in that like abandoned farmhouse or whatever that was. I like that because I do like survival type stories out on the you know you gotta you gotta use whatever is at your disposal. Uh, it was only kind of half of it, but I, I did enjoy that. It's funny you said that, Allison, because I really loved that part of it too. But when you talk about them being outside all the time and how there was um, like not very many sets in this, to me, this is like Quantum Leap's version of a bottle episode. All you need is the main cast, a couple of costumes, and some very minimal sets. And you just have them running around in the woods. The whole episode. There wasn't a lot of period stuff. There wasn't a lot of, you know, there, it, there was not a lot to it. It, it might have been part of money saving. Like maybe they had like, uh, you know, they were saving up for the season finale and all this other stuff. Uh, but I never felt like it felt small. Sometimes you can feel the budget. But uh, I think that's what makes a bottle episode great if that was the intention. Mm-hmm. If you can do really good character work with it. Yeah, and I I think this qualifies. For everything we've been talking about up till this point, I still think the episode is a strong episode. I still think that Basil Wallace did a great job with the material. And there wasn't a moment in this episode where I was just like rolling my eyes or anything like that. I was still very invested in the story itself from start to finish. So it was well written. They did do it right. And it didn't seem like cheap or weird or anything. Certainly was evocative of a lot of stuff, but I think they took that stuff and made it their own with almost no tools, just a couple of simple sets and some really good interaction. You know, I also, I mentioned before, I really loved uh, the way that this episode looked. And I think that helps to make it not feel small because there's, a great way that it's filmed. There was a, a couple shots I really, really liked. Um, the ending of the episode, they have uh, that shot where uh, Boone turns back to talk to Sam and Al and say thanks to Al. And the entire shot, he's in silhouette, so you can't see his face. And Sam and Al are turned away from the camera, so you can't actually see mm. any of their expressions. <laughs> but there's such feeling in that moment. Um, and he's like uh, framed in between them mm-hmm. in the sunset and just a really lovely shot. Yeah. And and this is a um a dirt road that they've used in, in other episodes too, but the way that they, they framed it, it just it just seems so lovely. Hey Hey Tell Al goodbye for me. He can hear you. Thanks, Al and uh there's a shot too when uh Sam and Boone are on the run at night uh and Boss Cooley's after them and that's like during the final confrontation and there's this close up of Sam 
like this really close up of Scott Bakula in the dark with half his face in shadow. And he has sort of this like half smile on his face. And he looks so creepy there. I just, I really like that shot. I mean, for sure, they did take advantage of not only the locations, but the night shooting that they did. And a lot of those scenes were very atmospheric. I don't think we've seen so much night shooting since Justice, probably, right? Maybe maybe Dreams a little bit, but I, I always tend to skip over Dreams in my, in my brain. But... Uh, <laughs> well, a lot of that is indoor night stuff, too, so you can fake uh, it. I mean... I mean, uh, yeah, For dreams. you're right. <laughs> well, a, the less said about <laughs> dreams, the better. But uh, I didn't mean to der- der- derail us by talking <laughs> about dreams again. But uh... Don't talk about <laughs> dreams. That's my mommy. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go again. No, she's, she's back. back. That's it. But uh, I, I, again, like, like you said, Allison, I'm just um, making the most of, of what they had and the episode coming across as – as dynamic as any of their more detailed period pieces and fitting right in with the series, even though there was almost nothing to, to suggest an era or um, a time shift. I think it being a chain gang is what placed it where it was. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Like you see a chain gang and then that sort of pla- it places you in that era. But I mean, you're right. It's not like they just have the woods and some costumes, basically. And uh, and maybe a couple of uh, antique-looking trucks. Yeah. Which they promptly blow up. <laughs> they blow up the trucks. It's so good. They put the, the Molotov cocktail or whatever they did. They stuck the, the flaming rag in the, yep. <laughs> the gas tank and just like, well, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> blow up the trucks. Um, I liked... Uh, Sorry, I was shifting around a little bit, it's but I, I did want to say this is a uh, is a very serious episode, but they do have some fun owl moments in it. You know, we talked about some of the more serious uh, uh, subtext and stuff like that, but there are some fun stuff mm-hmm. uh, with with Al in this. Um, I like that for one scene only, his he pops the collar on his jacket, like he's like, yeah. Look how cool I am. He's got like the um <laughs> the 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 cutouts in the collar and the the suede jacket with um he's got a leopard print tie. Oh, it's just an all-timer look. Wasn't that also like a two-tone like it had the the gold sleeves? Uh yeah, it had some different tones. I don't know if it was gold, but it did have like different uh like color blocking on it, I think. Yeah, and it just struck me as like way sharp. I mean, Jump here got to dress up uh, Scott in single drop in the last episode, and this one he went all out with Al again. Uh just something about the costumes on Dean in this episode really sang. I don't know if it was because they were outside in a lot of bright light and juxtaposed against like some of the more dreary costumes that were in the episode, but they were really great. The color tone of that costume in particular, I think he just had the one, right? I don't remember another one. No, I think he had a couple of, he had a couple of changes in this one. Okay. Well, the one that has the, that we were talking about with the leopard print tie and the, the, uh, golden brown jacket, the color tones worked really well with the outdoors. So it looked really nice with the, uh, the woodsy colors and the, the dirt. Mm. Very nice. Uh, yeah, he does. He starts off briefly wearing the the red and black jacket he's worn a few times before, and then at the end he's in the the purple jacket. But yeah, it's it's, it's mostly the the orange shirt that, that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, that's right. He did have the purple. I do like that purple jacket. Really good. Yeah, it's nice. We're just gonna make a segment now. We're gonna have like a little theme song. Allison's fashion watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Al, right? It's I mean, yeah. it's almost always just Al. <laughs> 
But almost always. But he always looks so good. Yeah. Well, we were talking about Sam last episode. He did look really good. Not in this episode. Not the most. You know. I mean, he wasn't the sharpest dressed in this one. <laughs> you think? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, Sam is very bedraggled. Um, I liked when uh, Al is giving the uh, exposition to Sam. And he's trying to say Talawaga County, but he's like, Talawawa. <laughs> and Sam corrects him. He's like, eh, whatever, Talawawa. <laughs> and um, at one point, he calls Boss Cooley Goonmeister. <laughs> I'll put my money on Goonmeister there. There's some moment, too, when they're in the, the farmhouse, when Sam's like, hey, find out who's doing these robberies or what's going on. Like, just find some information for me and then I can figure out what's going on and I can get out, of, get out of here. Which is not like an unusual request. This is pretty typical to be like, hey, find some information and I can use this to solve this leap. And Al just acts like this is a, a really silly request. Like He's like, yeah, and if I had blonde hair and I could sing, I'd be Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I think they just want to throw in a quip. So it's like, so, uh, we'll shoehorn that one in because it's going to be funny in the end. And don't think about it too much. But I like the way that they were able to just have uh, – you mentioned this before, Allison. Just have Boone accept the fact that Sam is talking to Al because what choice did they have? Um, the first scene where he's talking to Al, Boone conveniently – falls asleep immediately yes with i don't know if it was like his acting or or some really really loudly dubbed in adr snoring because see he's sleeping you get it and yeah so they can talk now but that would have been very problematic to keep up throughout the rest of the episode and i think they realized that we that we got to write around this somehow so I hate to tell you this, but Ziggy's got nothing new. Not a That's zilch. great, great, thanks. You talking to Al? Yeah. Can he hear me? No. Ask him if you come and visit. Visit where? Oh, somewhere where there's mountains and snow and trees. And... Sure, why not? Sure, he'll come and visit you. It all makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> And just, you know, sticking to that, and um, you mentioned it again before, Allison, that beautiful shot where Boone comes back and says goodbye. That, to me, is the thing I remembered most about this episode. When he said, tell Al, I say, and it was like, he can hear you. And, uh, you know, that, that by I thought that was such a beautiful little touch. And it's, if I had any memory of Unchained, any, you know, like really fond memory, that was it. It's still the best part of the episode to me. Um, in, in a good episode, it, it was just a nice little bow. So I don't know how much more I have to say about um, Unchained, guys. Uh, do you guys want to get into some final thoughts? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. All right. So, I mean, I'm going to go on record saying I think this is good Quantum Leap. Um, it's it, it's kind of light on theme, light on sort of messages, although I think we found some good stuff to talk about. But it's just a good character and action episode. What do you guys think? My thoughts echo yours. I think when I started out saying it's not one that I, I think about that much, um, it makes it seem like it's not that memorable of an episode. And that's not what I mean. I think it's just because it's um, it's not the first that comes to mind because, like, it's all very solid. Mm. It doesn't have a big moment in it. It's a very comfortable episode. I think that's that's a good way to word it. Is uh, It feels like the show is very comfortable in where it is, and uh, it has very solid acting from the people that are involved. 
and it has uh, a very good cinematography and i think like it's it's actually a really well made episode it's actually really good it's just not one that comes to my mind first yeah i'd i'd echo what both of you have just said there it is definitely a comfortable episode it's an episode that says we're into our fourth year now we know what we're doing we're not going to take any risks this week you know there's um there's other other episodes this season that push things a little bit more and certainly in the next season that's that's all they're doing week after week this is just one of these ones where it's yeah straight down the line good solid episode uh, I think having discussed it with you two tonight um I I feel maybe more warmly towards it um it's uh, yeah it's it's good quantum leap all right, so that's our discussion on Unchained, and we're going to go to a break, but before we do, I would be remiss. I know I said that I wasn't going to bring up Dreams again, but this happens to be the second episode of Quantum Leap in three weeks that has the title that's the same as a Van Halen song. So the old man in me demands that we go to the break and we play Change and nothing stays the same. Unchained. Can you hear them all running chain? So we will see you on the other side, everyone. We got a lot of good feedback from a lot of past shows, and stay tuned. One break coming up. everybody this is sean ray and john irons and we're the hosts of cosmic potato the super fan talk podcast we're a show that has a little bit of everything yeah we talk about movies and tv and cartoons entertainment news and every show has a different theme that's right we might discuss anything from our favorite bad movies to who would win in a fight between c3po and the tin man from the wizard of oz yeah yeah, yeah. that was episode 41 a classic uh, you can download that episode and all of our other episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we're on Podcast Addict and, of course, on our website, CosmicPotato.com. It's special guests and movie nudes and geeky nerddom, nerdy geekery and lightsabers and Time Lords and Ninja Turtles all the way down. So check out uh, Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. The QLP is brought to you by listeners like you. Please go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and give as much as you can. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be a contributor to the quantum leap podcast. It goes to covering our server cost and helps keep the podcast going. Thank you. This is Belton Ray Bunch, and you are listening to the quantum leap podcast. Uh, Chris, who, who's Van Halen and did they ever have a really bad movie? <laughs> they did not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I I know Van Halen mainly because M- Marty played it to to George. <laughs> 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 extraterrestrial from the planet Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know with that uh that Madonna line, 
it reminded me that Dean Stockwell is in a Madonna biopic. Really? Yeah, there was a TV movie about Madonna's life in the 90s, and he played her dad in it. Oh, really? So playing against type as an Italian dad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. We're back. Uh, Allison had uh, some interesting <laughs> tidbits about um, Dean and Madonna. Who played Madonna in that? Uh, not an actress that I recognize. Uh, I found the the movie very funny, though. It's not a sympathetic portrayal of Madonna. <laughs> she kind of is like, <laughs> she's she's kind of a huge jerk in it, but maybe that was the point. Could there be a sympathetic <laughs> portrayal of Madonna that would be interesting? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it was a 90s biopic TV movie. That's That's the quality of it. <laughs> But Dean was very good in it, you know. Yeah, I'm sure he was. He's good in everything. But I, I have a more yeah. interesting question. Do you say you say biopic? I say biopic. But there are people out there who somehow think it's biopic. What? What? It's like a biopsy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you really? It's not like a bionic yeah. man. It's a biopic. <laughs> biopic, not biopic. So I think we've settled that once and for all, right? Biopic. That's what I would say. That's the, the, that's how you Thank pronounce you. All right. the parts of both the words that that is a portmanteau of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you broke up portmanteau. Hey, huh? That's amazing. Sometimes I know words and sometimes I just say shit jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I was trying to think of that word as well while you were saying that. <laughs> Damn, what's that word beginning with P? Shit. <laughs> ah, Allison's got it. Thank you. Being an adult is just not remembering words a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a word for this. I must be a mega adult. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all of this somehow dovetails into yeah. We got feedback. Feedback. Huh? Yeah, we got a lot of feedback. And um, here's the thing: um, you guys might have noticed, uh, listeners, that uh, we have not been including feedback in the last couple episodes. Um, I'll be honest; we didn't have much for I think like two episodes ago, and then we got some. But uh, Allison was away, and Matt and I didn't want to record feedback alone without her, and just insert it at the end of a show. And um, I think so. As a result, we have have um, kind of a nice mix from uh, the last three shows. And uh, <laughs> right. can I start, guys? Yeah, I know you want oh, to. Oh, I see what this is about, and I know why you want this one. <laughs> well, and here's also probably why I, I, I brought up biopic versus biopic. Uh, the first uh, <laughs> the first response is from my good friend Sean Ray, who is the host of uh, Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, and The Landing Party, which is a Star Trek podcast. And uh, I appear on Sean's show, um, you know, fairly regularly, and I have called him out for saying biopic instead of biopic. Biopic. So, Sean, my podcast, my forum, biopic. Anyway, moving on. Sean, listen to the uh, to to our wrong stuff episode, and if I recall correctly, I think I said something about Al. Um, saying that he tossed his cookies on the teacups at Disney and me taking umbrage with that because, you know, he's been in the Vomit Comet. Why would he lose his lunch on what I imagine would be the slowest ride in Disney? And Sean had this response on Facebook. He wrote, I've got to call Chris out on one remark. The teacups are definitely not the slowest ride. I've never been to Disneyland, but I have been to Disney World a couple of times, and the teacups are essentially the same. Once we got on the teacups and and we let my teenage son have control. He got it spinning like a centrifuge, and I had vertigo for the remainder of the day. So yeah, I can see Al tossing his cookies on that ride. So thank you, Sean, for enlightening me. Um, <laughs> as I responded on Facebook, I have never been to a Disney 
Disney park. I don't think I ever will be at a Disney park. So I am going to take your word on this one. Thank you for correcting me. I'm sure a lot of fans were very incensed at my portrayal, incorrect portrayal of the teacups. So you're not, you're not going to take Penelope on the teacup ride and film it for the podcast. <laughs> will they let her into Disney? Penelope just takes control of the <laughs> of the teacup. No, <laughs> little pause. No. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is Penelope gets really sick if we drive around in circles in a parking lot, so I can't imagine her on the teacups. Poor Penelope, she'll toss her cookies on the teacup. (laughs) Oh, Well, I'm glad you got that correction. We got that sorted out. Yes. Thank you, Sean. I'm going to make a biopic about you one day, and we are definitely going to include this as uh, one of the highlights. If I if I was in a conversation, I heard someone say biopic, I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Biopic, <laughs> biopic, tomato, tomato, let's call the whole thing off. It just reminds me of like this Saturday Night Live that Christopher Walken hosted, where he begins it by singing the tomato tomato but he just he just sings it tomato 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 and they're like what well, you say it you say it different we'll spell the same on the cute cards <laughs> and i would always think of walking as saying tomato 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 maybe he said it the other way tomato tomato let's call the whole thing off <laughs> <laughs> all right who wants to take the next uh the next bit of facebook feedback allison you're gonna take yeah this i see one. my name in here all right <laughs> morgan felden uh, says this is also for uh, wrong stuff. Hang on to your hats before listening. Then Allison has scatological concerns and isn't afraid to bring them up. Tongue face. <laughs> can we can we not have a tongue face when using the word scatological? Mm, scatological. Oh, <laughs> that's some good noises for podcast listeners. Just. I am going to go on record as saying that The Wrong Stuff is and forever will be the most bleeped episode of the Quantum Leap podcast. Oh, we can fix that right now. (laughs) 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 Look, if there's there's an episode of Quantum Leap where it is implied that Sam shit himself, this needs to be (laughs) analyzed uh, every single minute. In great detail. Uh, you don't know what was going on down in that pit overnight. Oh, yeah. He definitely shit himself in the pit, right? Morgan, I blame you for this. <laughs> they, ain't got, they ain't got any outhouses in the chain gang. They're all just spitting themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. That's the way it works. Yeah. I mean, he definitely had to shit in front of Boone. He had, he had to be like, hang on just a second and like <laughs> lean in the ditch and then do his thing. And Boone's like, hey, does Al like taking shits? <laughs> I don't know, I never asked him. Okay, Morgan, last time it was Quantum Leap's fault. This one is all on you. You brought this up. You unleashed the diarrhea floodgates. Aw. Morgan, I bet you've never been prouder to be a Patreon supporter of the Quantum Leap podcast. Thanks for the support, Morgan. Not only a supporter, but a producer. So if you want to give us notes. (laughs) Oh, this is insane. Shall we, shall we move on to dreams? Those dogs shit themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they technically can't. It's not like they're wearing anything. They just shit. That's true. Well, if they sit in it, maybe. Sometimes, yeah, you know. could be. My cat gets, um, gets poo stuck on her butt because she's got long fur. Yeah. Uh, TMI. <laughs> hey, Matt. <laughs> you want to read this feedback from dreams? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> So this is from my my good buddy Adrian Salerno, uh, who who says simply, uh, we all have our least favourite episode. This is mine. 
<laughs> I am hoping he's talking about Quantum Leap, not the podcast. Because if you're talking about the podcast, <laughs> screw you. To be frank, I thought I thought we did. I thought we did okay. This was uh, definitely in reference to yeah. dreams. Well, maybe he d- maybe he loves dreams, and he's like, you you made fun of my favorite episode because that was my mommy. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's move on to a single drop of rain. <laughs> and I think ASAL is also a Patreon supporter. So yep. good to hear from all of our supporters today. Thank you, Adrian. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. And yeah, I was actually kind of relieved that um, someone other than me voiced the fact that Dreams was their least mm-hmm. favorite episode because uh, I thought that I might engender some fan rage. I, I didn't know. So, um, so far, we haven't heard any negative feedback to the way we treated the episode. I- there's a lot of people who feel similarly honestly about about dreams so well there is one and you know what um he wrote a letter too it's someone that we hear from frequently but whose comments we haven't featured on the show in a little while just in the name of diversity Ah, uh, fan favorite father beast yay father beast i mean he was another one that uh, dreams uh, i don't know dreams uh. <laughs> dreams was me <laughs> Oh, let's see what, what does Father Beast have to say about dreams? Uh, Why don't we do the round robin on this one? I'll start. Uh, Dear Quantum Leap Podcast, of all the episodes of Quantum Leap there are, this is the one complete dud. Or at least that's how I remembered it. I watched it anyway, enduring it for the sake of the podcast. What actually happened wasn't quite that bad, but it also wasn't any good. The idea was that Sam wasn't taken over by the host personality. He leaked feelings and visions from the other person, like in Goodnight, Dear Heart. I guess that's acceptable. And at the end, the bad guy starts monologuing for no apparent reason, except to fill in the audience on the whodunit. Sam shoots him and leaps, giving us no follow-up, no chance to apologise and make up with the cop. Pretty much nothing at all. If that's all I get in this episode, good riddance. Good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think we've ever had a more upbeat listener than Father Beast for most things. I don't know that I've ever heard him pan an episode mm-hmm. outright, but yeah, I guess dreams brings it out in people. There's something cathartic about, like, you know, talking about, like, the one episode of a show you love, you know, being like, man, this stunk. <laughs> this show is great, but this stunk. And other people feel the same way. So, hey. <laughs> Thank you, Father Beast, uh, for the continued correspondence and the continued support. We love hearing from you. Even if uh, we don't read every response on every episode, please keep sending them because, uh, as you can see, they they lead to a lot of fun (laughs) a lot of times. Yeah, thank you. Okay, and we also heard from people regarding a single drop of rain. Uh, We had a Facebook comment from John Jacob, and he wrote... And this is thanks to you, Allison. I like it when you guys point out things that were reused. When the brothers were fighting at the end, I thought the lattice work on the porch looked like it might have been left over from the gazebo and raped. And isn't that what you pointed out? Well, yeah, I pointed out that they both, I, I think I joked that they had like, they had the breakaway um, <laughs> uh, porch prop, like, because <laughs> they, they did the same thing. I'm not sure if it is actually the, the same lattice work, but it might be. I'd have to look <laughs> at them in comparison, but. We need a lattice expert. Yeah. I mean, it would be good if they could reuse props, you know, like, because they very rarely could. So they're just like, we need a breakaway porch. We got, we got the prop ready. Here we go. So, I mean, I don't think you, I mean, I, you might not be able to reuse that one. You break it and then what, you're not going to put it back together, right? You put the little breaky piece, uh, another breakaway piece on the otherwise solid bit. Ah. 
That's yeah. that's the way I would do it. Hmm. But hey, listen, John, um, John Jacob, Facebook fan, John Jacob, Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> if you like to see things on the show that have been reused, look no further than the Quantum Leap Radio settings at theflipside.com, d e f l i p s i d e dot com. I have um, several radios uh, that have appeared on the show in multiple episodes listed there, so um, you might get a kick out of out of looking at that if that is. Is indeed your thing. If you guys want to see some cool uh, reused costumes, I've noticed a, a few of them I mentioned before, but the Future Boy costume gets around. Mm. That was in an episode of VIP, and it was also in an episode of Sliders. Yeah. And uh, occasionally I'll see Al's costumes reused. There was uh, his green outfit from the ending of Shock Theater was reused also in a Sliders. And um, one of his outfits that he wears in season five, it's a red jacket uh, he wears in Return of the Evil Leaper. And he also wears that in Lord, or well, he doesn't wear that, but it's also used in Lord of Illusions with Scott Bakula. Mm. Wow, this is one interesting rabbit hole. Matt, your turn. Uh, yeah, so this was um, some feedback <laughs> from... <laughs> oh, I was talking about you have any reuse stuff. Oh no, I got I got nothing. I thought you meant my turn. Well, the feedback. Look at you yeah. ruining the vibe. Sorry, John, but you know, Sorry. <laughs> not ruining the vibe. <laughs> Only teasing. I was done? I was trying to set him up to fail, and it worked. And it so. and it did work. Before we move on to the next feedback, Allison, do you have a page of your own where people can see all of these reused outfits? Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, there. I have a Tumblr that I, I use for. Uh, screen caps from the show they are there i've seen them that's where i yeah ooh. uh quantum screencaps.tumblr.com go while tumblr's still around who knows <laughs> might not be around much longer um i've also got those negatives that uh where i found the lost ending negatives uh, i scanned in a bunch from a ton of episodes um so if you ever want to see any like black and white negatives from the show, uh, qlnegatives.tumblr.com. Ooh. Yeah, I think there's some tags on the quantum screen caps where I put like behind the scenes stuff. I think it's just behind the scenes. Uh, might be reused costumes. I don't know. <laughs> Try any variations of that. And then I, I occasionally have some trivia stuff, but it's mostly just screen caps. So there you go, John. You have a, a plethora of reused items to look forward to. So many things. Oh, I have a I have a, a friends page. Uh, let me. Oh, whoa! What you have a friend? Show off. Uh, Quantum Leap Analyses. Dot Ah, and I believe you used a lot of that for your book, Matt. Yeah. Um, it's from our friend Kelsey. Yes. You might remember uh, Kelsey from the Private Dancer episode. We uh, read a bit about her, and uh, or read a bit from her about her feelings on the episode, and she runs a Tumblr blog that has a ton of behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, including reused props, costumes, all sorts of, like, really detailed minutia. So if you're into Quantum Leap trivia, that's a good place to check out. It is awesome. Um, and Matt's book. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I was going to say, my I, I've been thinking now, my favorite reuse thing in Quantum Leap... Uh, is not a prop. It's that terrible southern honky tonk music that gets used in eight and a half months <laughs> and, and keeps popping up thereafter. 
And since we're since we're shilling our own <laughs> stuff, um, you can read about that and many other uh, observations in Beyond the Mirror Image, the Observer's Guide to Quantum Leap, available now from tmebooks.uk. Highly recommend. Thank you. I, I've res- I've resisted doing that for a long time. <laughs> it's a really good book. I use it for reference a lot, so it's it's really uh, organized and uh, got you know it's easy to find what you want to find. And I understand it has an irresistible forward. So it, it's got hey. a wonderful forward. <laughs> and you know, I don't feel bad. We we rarely, if ever, plug our own stuff on yeah. this show. So I plugged your book the other day, Chris. What? To who and where and what? what? <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, breaks Chris's on the book. show. Hello. Talk talk uh, to me, baby. <laughs> One of my friends was uh was talking about how she wanted to uh to do a bit for the show. We talked about that before and that'll be coming up in a in a, in a later one. But um I mentioned that there was a um a comic she might have been interested in and she was like, "You know, I haven't really delved into the books and stuff much since I saw your video about that really incesty one. I kind of got turned off." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't, I didn't mean for people to think the books aren't good. That one was just <laughs> really off the rails. But, um, but yeah, there's some good ones. And then I, I mentioned your book as well. No, oh, thank so. you. I appreciate. That. And she said she would check it out. So it's funny that you mentioned the incesty one. Uh, that's John Peel's Independence. And I'm sorry, John. I know he was a guest on the show once, <laughs> and I've met him several times. As a matter of fact, the last time I was at Li Geek, I wound up on a panel with John Peel. It was surreal, really? but uh, yeah. So, and I was leading the panel. So oh, I was I was wow. leading a Star Trek panel that had Peter David and John Peel on it. Wow! Like, how am I qualified to do that? But anyway. Oh man, that's awesome. But you yeah, clearly so. are, so congrats. Yeah, you know, you put a microphone in front of my face and I can't help it. I just talk. <laughs> you can find a whole segment about that experience on deflipside.com. We got all sorts of plugs into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, where were we? Feedback. Feedback. Allison, I think you specifically should take the next one because it is in response to a certain stellar performance of a certain <laughs> set of lost lyrics to the quantum leap theme that we got this response so uh so take it away okay so this is from suzanne smiley who she's she's commented a lot right i know that name yeah no suzanne and i we co-hosted the i don't know the the third iteration mm-hmm. of uh the christmas show right okay she's been on here before i'm sorry my memory's so bad <laughs> She also was on the Hurricane commentary, was she not? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I yes. knew I knew I knew the name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It's okay. You weren't involved in either of those things, so it's fine. Okay. So here's here's what Suzanne writes. <laughs> hmm, I've never written lyrics to the QL theme, but would my homeward bound parody fit in here? I also wrote Sam Beckett's Leap Along and the Leap That Never Ends parodies from Lamb Chop's Play Along, as well as a few others. Okay, those sound familiar. Those sound familiar. And I don't know that I know those, but she does provide some links. Should we play a little bit of one of okay. them? Oh, they're recorded? Homeward Bound Quantum Leap version. Here it is. Okay. <laughs> Suzanne, we are certainly dropping this in. Every time I see Sam Leap, I wonder if it really ought to be. It really does seem so unfair that no one truly seems to care. Can he only grin and try to bear? Oh, why should he be stuck back there? Homeward bound. I wish Sam was. Homeward bound. 
home when the leaping ends home with his family and friends home will he get there depends just let sam leap home yeah <laughs> yeah so it goes on um we will put a link to Suzanne. I didn't know that she was the queen of Quantum Leap Filk. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Hmm? That's great. Yeah, so. that's a really great Quantum Leap song. So I'm glad there's like a customized version now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I love Simon and Garfunkel, and this is not the first time I've seen a Simon and Garfunkel song used to um, illustrate the plight of Sam uh, as a leaper. Although um, Suzanne put her own lyrics to Homeward Bound. There's also a Paul Simon song that I love. Um, you can call me Al. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> not that one. Uh, it's a um, Simon Garfunkel. Slip Sliding Away, I think, is a good one. <laughs> no, but this one is almost specifically written as if it's about mm. Sam. Mm. It's the Simon and Garfunkel song, Flowers Never Bend with the Rainfall. And it's almost beat for beat like you could see it as Sam's experience. Mm. I was never been. So I don't know if we should play it on the podcast, but uh, through the corridors of sleep, past the shadows, dark and deep, my mind dances and leaps in confusion. I don't know what is real. I can't touch what I feel, and I hide behind the shield of my illusion. Hey. And so I'll continue to continue to pretend that my life will never end. And flowers never bend with the rainfall, boom, boom, boom. And then it goes on like the mirror on my wall casts an image dark and small, and I'm not sure it's all my reflection. And it talks about God and truth and might wandering without direction. It's really, yeah. And someone put a video together with a montage of um, scenes from the show, and it's really kind of amazing. And if we can raise 500 pounds through Patreon, we promise Chris will never sing again. <laughs> I'm sure I would have been better if I had the music behind me. But uh, I know. now, Chris, what Van Halen song is that? <laughs> it's believe it or not, older than Van Halen. What? You didn't think that could happen, did you? See, when when I was young, that was old man music. <laughs> so yeah, I I urge you all to seek that out. But uh, Suzanne, you know, bravo, clap, clap, clap. Yeah. I mean, yeah, awesome, amazing job. I'm I'm so sorry I forgot that you were on the show before. <laughs> but uh, you're getting plugged big time now. So yeah, no, long time friend of the show. So we got we got one more uh, email. You want to take this one, Matt? Yeah, sure. Because um, this is one that really speaks to me, and I'll explain why afterwards. Uh, this is from Todd Lamp, who says, Hi, I'm an avid long-time fan of the show and have seen it go through the many format struggles and music rights issues. I'm thrilled that the new Blu-ray set resolves all of that, and I have to say it looks awesome. This led me to your podcast, and I listened to Genesis after watching the first episode, which I'd never seen. You were both pointing out gaffes, and I noticed something neither of you mentioned, and it happens in the first few minutes. When Al is driving the girl with Christmas tree lights for earrings, when the camera is from Al's side, there's a weird black clamp or something on her window. It's blatant, and they made no effort to hide it. Did you see this? I look forward to re-watching and listening to the podcast after each episode. Best regards, Todd. Now, this this one particularly jumped out at me because um, I, I mentioned, so I'm going to give it a second plug, I mentioned my book earlier on. Now, now what, is, what is the name of that book again, and where it's, can you get it? it it's <laughs> Beyond the Mirror Image, The Observer's Guide to Quantum Leap, available from all good websites called tmebooks.uk. <laughs> and and the, the first draft of that book 
was actually just a 10-page document all about the different formats Quantum Leap had been released on and all the different music screw-ups that each one had had before I was convinced to add another 800 pages of nonsense to it. <laughs> but that that was that was of particular interest to me. As for the weird black clamp on her window, obviously, yeah, you'll have noticed we are a different uh, set of hosts than was originally uh, running this podcast. I have to say, yes, I did notice that weird black clamp, and I can say for certain what it is is a weird black clamp. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it, Todd Lamp. I have to look at the shot again, because I don't remember this. I think if they got sheets flapping outside to look like wind, rather than actual wind, I think it's holding some of that down or something. It looks like a, a lamp stand or something like that. Might be part of the lighting rig. It is really obvious in HD, not so much in SD. Oh, yeah, I do see the... the why? Wow, it's so blatant. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right that it's like it's meant to hold down something, but it is weird that they're not hiding it and it wouldn't have been cropped out in full screen or like even it's not in the safe zone. No, no, it would have been there on broadcast. Just, yeah, it's it's not as noticeable when it's a bit fuzzier, but yeah. Yeah, if this was a newer show, I would almost think it was like a a camera setup, you know, like a GoPro or something to like get one side or something, but uh yeah, it must be like holding something down outside the the window, and maybe they thought it was too dark to see or something. Well, that's that's interesting. Um, it's 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 another interesting thing that he brings up the music replacement because I guess who did mm. a, a whole segment about the music replacement on Quantum Leap in the podcast episode for MIA? It was our very own Suzanne Smiley. So there you go. Hey. <laughs> It all comes back around. See the the themes, <laughs> theming. Yeah, wow, just like the vortex, the the fandom vortex around here. Yeah, I didn't notice that clamp. Uh, I like because Todd asks if we saw it, so I just wanted to answer the question. I did not see it actually until then. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe it's just like that's the shot that they had. It was a pilot, and they didn't have the money to reshoot. Maybe it was the only take that they could use. So. Oh well, you know, but this is uh, this pilot was filmed like many pilots uh, back then, and that there was more money put into that than an episode because it was filmed like a movie. So if the show's not picked up, you could just say like, "Here is a movie called Quantum right. Leap." Right. Mm. And who's going to be noticing this clamp? Yeah, who's going to be no? Yeah, well, we didn't clearly, or I didn't notice. Maybe Matt like immediately honed in on that one. Yeah, not immediately. Only when I, when I saw it in HD. And maybe when they saw it in the editing bay, they said no one on the TV is going to be able to notice that. It's only now evident because of the HD transfer. I wonder what other weird things we'll see thanks to HD. Boy, I look forward to it. Todd, keep on that. Yeah, thanks for the feedback. Sorry, I know we're very different hosts than what you've been listening. You're going to be on a journey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, a few years when you actually get to this episode. uh, Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> we do do it a little differently. By the time, uh, yeah, when he listens to this, the current stuff will be a whole new set of hosts. <laughs> like, we'll be replaced by then. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be long dead. <laughs> anyway. Hey, what's, what's the worst music replacement that you guys remember? In terms of just bad music or in terms of, like, completely ruining the, the mood of the scene? Whatever strikes your fancy. My one hasn't come up yet, but it's in Temptation Eyes. Um, that oh, one yeah. really oh. bothers me because it's one of my favourite pieces of music in the show. And uh, I guess it's how a lot of people feel about the MIA one. I, I don't feel 
as badly about that as I do about the Temptation Eyes one. Horrible. Lift music. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think that one, uh, MIA, stands out to a lot of people as the as the worst one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part, you know, I th- I feel like the replacement music was composed fine, but uh, some of it's very elevator sounding for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I have more of a problem with it when I watch like the first season of Supernatural on iTunes as opposed oh, to they replace oh because the- they replaced all the old oh, rock all the and rock roll, rock songs? roll yeah I mean did they completely I only saw it on the DVDs like, yeah. I didn't see the replacements no it's just completely generic sort of rock rock guitar music. All of the songs that they used in the first season to give it a sense of identity is completely gone. Mm. Completely gone. That sucks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I used to be a lot more invested in Supernatural than I am these days. But as far as Quantum Leap goes, um, oh, this is going to be odd. Deep, deep cut. Um, the ending credits of The Leap Back. I had that episode on VHS because I loved it so much. And the ending credits, they play sort of that like that 40s uh, big band theme that they play when uh, Al is walking mm-hmm. through town and opening the door right before uh, Sam says, hello, baby. <laughs> and he's looking at the girl. Yeah. It's that musical cue. And they used that at the end uh, over the credits. And I seem to recall whenever I saw that in syndication, it was just the generic Quantum Leap theme. Yeah. Really? Why would they replace that, though? Don't ask me. That's one music replacement that always stood out to me. Huh. That's weird they would replace that because that's their music. Yeah, they they did that a few times. I always assumed that was for timing reasons, just to shave a few seconds off. But uh, uh. yeah, some, some of the syndicated episodes did remove the unique end credits. I know one of the big, like they would occasionally use, not very often uh, for the credits songs that they had paid to use so uh like at the end of another mother they have uh call me yeah and uh at the end of animal fret they use louie louie mm-hmm. both of those got replaced those are both very long ones too if you get to pay for louie louie you're gonna use the whole damn thing that's the louie louie replacement <laughs> when they're at the party it was really funny like because the the guys are clearly mouthing the song but they replaced it with some <laughs> other thing so they're just saying louie louie for no reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Generally, they would pay for the rights if they were singing along to it, though. Just occasionally, they would, if they could get away with it, they would. Yeah, I've just checked the actual ending of Leap Back. Uh, the end credits is 1 minute 16 seconds. So, yeah, can almost guarantee you they replaced it in syndication. And sped it up. Yeah, for something that mm. was, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy long. Over a minute just for the end credits is uh, quite extreme. Yeah, it was a good track, that big band yeah, track. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant. I, yeah, very disappointing. And it stands out in the show because it was uh, as far back as they had gone at that point. So the music was uh, very evocative of the 40s, which is earlier than they would typically go. And I listened mm. to a lot of big band music, so it stood out to me and my nerdy little heart. Another uh, amazing job by Velton Ray Bunch. There you go, Velton. He's so good. Yeah. I can't. E- I can't even believe the wide scope of genres that he did on this show. So good. Very talented guy. So that, that's all we got for feedback. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Todd. By the way, if we didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Todd. And to say that's all. I mean, wow, what a, what a wide ranging discussion. It's almost as long as the podcast itself, and twice as interesting. <laughs> you guys are great out there. And uh, if you are listening out there and you'd like to lend your thoughts, there are. 
many ways that you can do so. You can reach us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the Facebooks at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quantumleappod. And you can always go the extra mile like our esteemed producer, Morgan Felden, and our longtime supporter, Adrian Salerno, by hitting us up at patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. There you will find a whole bunch of membership levels, and uh, you can contribute in any amount your heart desires to help us defray the cost of putting this show out. Any little bit helps. And look, I've always said this. If you cannot support the show financially, that's fine. But do us a favor. Tell other leapers about it. We're always looking to grow the show and we always want to get to as many quantum leap fans as possible so if you enjoy the show and you know someone else who might enjoy the show just put it on their podcast feed just like like take their phone when they're not looking and call up their podcast app and just put the quantum leap podcast on their feed and they'll be a happy surprise you'll be their best friend for life so they won't be mad at you at all i promise so you know spread the word by creating the memes <laughs> <laughs> With the cats, the memes with the cats, they're the best kind. With the, with the cats, yeah, and some hashtags, you know, hashtag <laughs> quantum meme or hashtag the butt stuff or, you know, just, just, just typical things someone might be just searching, you know. No, no, no. Ha- hashtag the butt stuff will take you somewhere else. <laughs> and I'm going to take us somewhere else right out of that rabbit hole. Um, hey, Matt, uh, now that we're done talking about Unchained, uh, what's next? Well, we're going to have to make some drastic changes. We must be courageous. We must be innovative. Next week, we shall record nude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the plays the thing, and if we're not all nude, well, I will be. Anyway. Quantum leaping through time, I've leapt into an electric chair, gunfights, and a variety of handcuffs. It looks like I finally raided a cushy time. Thank you. No. Thank you. Good morning, Tiger. Oh, good morning. <laughs> uh, no, no, <laughs> you gotta stop doing that. Morning. No, yes, please. <laughs> Mom! <laughs> My God, Mom. What would Dad say? Oh, boy. That's the line I always think of from that episode. I'm so glad that you quoted it. I know. I love it. I forgot all about that line. Oh, wow. It's funny because what stood out to me of, of everything Matt just said, and he said it all so wonderfully, is the way he says innovative. What? <laughs> Innovative? Innovative? Innovative. Is that like aluminium? Maybe that's a tomato-tomato thing. <laughs> how, do, how do you say it? Innovative. Innovative? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think maybe that's a tomato-tomato thing. I don't think that's... I think it's delightful. We end the show where we began the show with Matt's British colloquialisms just delighting me. <laughs> I don't think that's a colloquialism. <laughs> I think that's just a pronunciation. Hey, I say colloquialism, you say pronunciation, so... <laughs> And then Matt says portmanteau. And then then we call the whole thing off. So (laughs) until that next time when we get all, I can't even say it the way he does, innovative. 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 Yeah, yeah, what you said. I've been Christopher D. Philippus. I've been Alison Pregler. And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you next time, everyone. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The Quantum Leap podcast is edited by Albie, Christopher DeFilippis, and Allison Pregler. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Juan Miro, Christopher DeFilippis, and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden is the producer. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit Baronspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production. Damn, Chris, back at it again with the, with the memes. <laughs> Nobody's going to get context with that. We were talking about memes and the memes. We had to explain to Chris what a meme was. You know what a meme is? I never asked for explanation and I never uttered the words meme. <laughs> you just think that I'm old and I don't get it. And normally you'd be right, but in this case, you were You wrong. know all about the memes. <laughs> I do know all about the memes. I got the screaming memes right now with tongue faces and scatological concerns. <laughs> yeah. Pip-pip, cheerio. Spot of unchained, what?